da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Disney makes a good animated movie. Disney remakes a good animated movie. It's all a part of the circle of life. Ah, look at you. He's blinking into the sun right now. Hopefully, you know, this cycle will end. But uh, the way things are going, the 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 money that's being made, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon. So I'm just excited for the animated version of the live action reboot of the animated version of Lion King. I'm excited for them to reboot this with the animated version of this. So that's going to be good. There's going to be some some rendition of be prepared is going to be left there somewhere it's going to be like just the word b is going to be in the song and that's going to be the connection i think but um lion king took over last weekend took over the box office in the u.s it, it made 180 million dollars um over a half a billion so far worldwide for the lion king uh remake uh reboot reimagining reanimating whatever you want to call it Disney really, really uh, knew how to market this one. I will give it to them. Um, this thing was everywhere. This thing, people were out in droves for this thing over the weekend. I saw it opening night with my sister, my little sister, who is a huge Lion King fan. She, it's her, her favorite movie, so she took me to it opening night, a sold-out screening, and there was a lot, a lot of hype uh, behind this one. So um, I would say this is probably the most anticipated Disney reboot that's that's happened um, so far. Maybe Beauty and the Beast it would be up there in terms of hype, in terms of on the trailer dropped, everybody reacting on social media and such. But I don't think anything compares quite like The Lion King, uh, c- compares with The Lion King because of how successful the original animated version was. Um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's the ultimate Disney movie. So it, it obviously the stakes were very high with this one, um, but I'm excited to talk about it with you guys because um, certainly mixed reactions from friends of mine who have seen it. Certainly my Twitter feed was some people uh, didn't like it. Some people did like it. So um, I think everybody kind of had a different expectation for the movie. Everybody wanted something different from the movie a lot. And a lot of people um, kind of, uh, um, you know, are, are forming their own opinions on it. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what your guys' opinions are going to be on it. But we've got a guest to join us now, and his name is Thomas Wilson. And um, How's it he, going, guys? Hey, man. Hey, Tom. Uh, uh, is Tom okay or Thomas? Tom work. Tom? Okay, Tom. Um, well, Tom mm, will Jim? Be... Okay, great. Thanks, Frank. No, um, Jim, though. <laughs> uh, Tom uh, is joining us to uh, break down his thoughts on the Lion King, get that outside perspective that we always love to have on the show. So I will pass this along to um, my co-hosts, Richard and Brian, to uh, get things started with our Lion King review, Lion King discussion. And uh, Brian, I guess you can kind of start off our our um, general thoughts on Lion sure. King Reboot 2019. So I think, the original Lion King 1993 is, um, excuse me, is, is maybe, maybe the pinnacle of Disney animation. I just think it's such a great movie. You and I talked about it, Kent, uh, a couple weeks ago on the VIP feed. 
and it's one of my one of, one of the very best that Disney has to offer. I was excited for this. I can't decide if I have blinders on or if I just was led astray by some of the stuff. I don't hate this movie, and I feel like this is going to be one where our grades are going to differ, which is is always is always fun. Uh, we don't we don't have that enough, frankly. There are a lot of flaws. There are a lot of gripes to be had with this particular movie, and the but the biggest thing for me that that's difficult in my uh, I guess my grade and just how I think about this this whole thing is that so much of what is good about this movie is a direct, complete, and total remake of uh, of the original. I mean, it's like line for line, shot for shot, that kind of stuff. Most of the stuff that is great about this is, I mean, quite literally taken directly from the 93 movie and, and you know, animated in a different way, basically, and, and put on screen. And so I enjoyed the movie. I had a good time with it. My kid loved it. My wife loved it. Our audience was really into it. These have this has become we used to say that the worst kind of movie for us to review was like a B or a B minus kind of movie. Those movies that like are. They're not bad, but they're not good, and they just are hard to talk about. And it's gotten to the point now where I feel like actually it's this kind of movie where um, most of the stuff that is that is wrong with this movie or flawed or or uh, not great is the kind of thing that people like us who who watch 150 movies a year and uh, critically think about them and review them and and try not to just tear them apart, but try to find the, what's good and what's bad and all that stuff. It's stuff that we are going to notice that the average moviegoer is not. And I don't mean that as an insult to the average moviegoer. That's what this this whole show is for Joe Schmo average moviegoer. That's what we've been doing for for six years is is reviewing in a hopefully in an elevated way that's not that's non pretentious. That's been our whole thing. And so, you know, that's that's who my friends are. That's who. Uh, you know, my wife is when we go to a movie together, it's, it's a, we both bring a different perspective to it. And most of the times I can bridge those two things. I love this. She loved it. I hated this. And we, we figured, we figured that stuff out these kinds of movies. And it was a big, Aladdin was a big example of this and Lion King to a slightly lesser extent, but in the same kind of ballpark of, there's a lot of things that I see that are wrong with this, that are, that are worth pointing out that it's not nitpicking, that it's a serious thing to say Hey, why did we do this? Because that was a that was a pretty big filmmaking mistake. Don't stick out to the average person. And so when a coworker is like, "Oh, I saw the Lion King. Did you did you see it? Did you like it?" And I have to be like, uh, "Not great. Wasn't my favorite thing." <laughs> and now I kind of look like a, you know a very pretentious film douche. And that's not that's not who I am. I don't I don't enjoy that conversation. And I don't. So that's. <laughs> That's where I'm at with this. What it's like, I almost hate to even review it because I just feel like everybody who <laughs> who loved this is going to be like, you guys are just jerks about it. And I'm like, I well, that's not true. What we're what we're doing, but anyway, to the point. I think there's a lot of stuff that I enjoyed about this. There's a lot of things that I just don't understand how Favreau got it wrong, and it's very confusing to me that we messed up some very, to me, very simple filmmaking choices. Um, but at the end of the day, like this, this movie and a lot of these Disney movies in total are, they're immune to us. They're immune to critics. They're immune to, uh, tepid reception from non audiences because I mean, this, this movie did what it was supposed to do. It made a half a million, half a billion dollars 
immediately. And it's going to, what do you, what do you think? 1.5 billion, something like that. I mean, it's going to make a huge chunk of money. It's going to further the cause of Disney theme parks and Disney properties and all that stuff. So it did what it is supposed to do. I just would love it. I like it more when the movie, a movie like this does what it is supposed to do. And also we can enjoy it from a, like truly from a filmmaking perspective, from a critical analysis perspective. So anyway, that's a very long winded way to say I'm kind of met on the movie. And I don't know how, I don't know how to grade this given what we know about the 93 movie and this movie and how those two things kind of intersect. But anyway, very long winded way to, to reply to that. Richard, what are your, uh, what are your general thoughts here? Yeah. So to, to what you say, I, I do get annoyed sometimes when you, when, when people, you know, overdo the thing of, and look, we want things to be artistically honest and, and all of that. And when people say things like, Oh, why do they have to bother? Blah, blah, blah. Why, what was wrong with the first one? You know, uh, I hate, I think people tend to not like adhere the rules of capitalism to yes, movie studios. Yes. Cause they're like art supposed to, and that's great. But it's this weird confluence. It's like Disney is a publicly traded company. It would be irresponsible of them to not make this movie because they know, like you said, it's going to make 1.5 billion. It's going to cost, you know, uh, 300 million or whatever it costs, maybe 500 with marketing. And that's a billion dollar profit. And that would be irresponsible to their employees and their shareholders to not make this movie. Um, it'd be like if Crest knew they could make, put out a toothpaste that would cost $200 million, but they would make $3 billion. Like it would be irresponsible to the shareholders of Johnson and Johnson for them to not make that product. Even if that product had stupid packaging, whatever. So all that to say, I get annoyed with that. Cause like people don't remember that Disney's publicly traded as are most of these entertainment entities. That being said, this movie was so bad, I have renounced the system of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> and I am joining whatever Soviet guerrilla republic I can join because we have clearly failed as a capitalist democratic republic. Um, I, yeah, this was uh, it's so weird. I just, I don't, I'm baffled. I just saw it today. I've been thinking about it for the last few hours. Um, Totally get why they made it, and Brian, I, I see your and it does do its job on that level, so that's fine. This show, though, is about just as it is a movie. So all that to say, good for Disney. It'll be a cool ride, and the animation's neat, and oh boy, and really cool, like multicultural cast and all the things that are important, and it's that's great. Okay, all that out of the way. Um, yeah, this just, there's no emotion to this. All these, you know, even like when Mufasa, di Mufasa dies, spoiler alert, um, from 1993, uh, that it's just, if you feel nothing, it's like for me to not feel something when a freaking animal dies is so hard to do. Cause I'm a basket case when it comes to animals. So like, I just felt, I was actually worried this would be too emotional for me because they're like real animals and I'm just, I can't watch dog movies. I can't, you know. And so the fact that I was just a stone <laughs> rock, this whole movie shows what a failure it is emotionally on a lot of levels. And it's like, you know, yeah, I just, I just, uh, it just didn't the, the, I, I, of all of these, this was the one I thought was the most, once I saw the jungle book and I saw what you could kind of do with the technology and you go, okay, let's push this technology two years down the road. It'll be even better. Right. Well, I think such a great story. It's my favorite Disney film for sure. And then just for it to be this flat and lifeless and like, um, 
yeah, just the performances, the vocal performances seem really phoned in, and they're such talented people, with the exception, I think, Eichner and Rogan, who I thought, uh, you know, were at, at, at their times quite good. Um, and that and their stuff was different, you know, it was kind of a different twist on those characters. I mean, st- same general feel of them, but different lines and different jokes and, and things like that. So, uh, that's the only unique stuff that worked for me at all. But like you said, Brian, the stuff that the only stuff that worked was just like the big set pieces, you know, at the beginning, especially that, that when, when the animals aren't talking, it's like, Oh, that works. Cause it's just like cool animal footage and great music. Uh, but right. every, literally everything other than that. Um, I, I detested. So, uh, not to be, I, I wanted to, I was like really trying yeah. to be contrarian with this cause I had read some reviews and I went in like it's animals. I like it. Capitalism's awesome. And now I'm like, <laughs> I'm joining, I'm going to like, I don't know, like G- Xi Jinping call me, man. Like whatever we got to do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. That's messed up. All right. Um, uh, let's that's do it. Funny. Go ahead. Um, yeah, man, I I see both. I see everybody's I see everybody's thoughts, man. This one, for me, uh, you know, Brian and I talked about the animated one on the throwback feed um, on the VIP, and you know, we we put out predictions for um for this uh, live action one and what we thought it would do critically, what we thought it would be, you know, what we personally thought it would be on Rotten Tomatoes and things like that, and you know, you know, we personally know how hard it is to not recommend a movie, you know, like, right. Right. Like I felt like if this movie just hit the baseline notes of what it needed to hit from the Lion King and that's it, like it would be a recommend for 98% of critics. Right. So I was like, Mm -hmm. I put out the bold prediction. I was like, this one's going to be more well-received than the animated one, just because it's going to do exactly what the animated one does plus more. Right. Because you only have, 25 years of hindsight to look back and say, what did we like about that one? What made that one great? What did people like about it? What can we take from that? What can we improve on? What can we get rid of? Right. Um, you've got all this time to, to do that. And so that being said, I just think this is, uh, in terms of these Disney reboots, this is by far the most disappointing one of all of them. Um, given the stakes, given the fact that, the Lion King source material is so easy. To, you would think to be adaptive film. Um, right. It's not supernatural. It's not a flying carpet. It's not under the sea. It's not um, the Jungle Book, right? Even that you would think would be tougher with Mowgli and everything and working them humans with the inter- animals. Um, this is literally just animals in in nature. Um, and you've got a soundtrack that speaks for itself. Um I just don't see how this failed so hard. I, 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 I was in the theater. Again, I mentioned it, a, a completely sold out screening and I went in with an open mind and I really, I honestly thought like, I, this is going to be the best, the best one of these I had seen. And I was, I couldn't wait to come on the show and be like contrarian to what the critics were saying about it and being like, they don't get it right. Um, but I was completely floored at how let down I was by this movie um, you know, you sense it in a screening. Um, you can just sense the disappointment in the room, like just audible, like uncomfortability for, for two hours. You know, nobody knew when to laugh. Nobody knew when to clap or when to, when to not clap. Um, like the Lion King title hits at the beginning, right after circle of life. And everyone's just kind of like, uh, 
you know, it's like an awkward silence of, I don't, I really don't love this, but I don't want to say anything, you know, and like, why isn't this mm-hmm. working kind of thing. Um, and for me, well, rhythmically off though. Yeah. From like, honestly, I hated this from frame one and I have no problem saying that because how do you mess up the, like the opening frame being the sunrise? Like I can't get over <laughs> And the sunrise was like the weakest, lamest looking sunrise I've seen. Like, what is like from a fundamental like the approach to this movie was just completely fundamentally wrong. From John Favreau, it's well, this is one hundred percent on him. This is not Disney. This is not um, the machine, the corporations. Right? Uh, this is not their fault. John Favreau completely dropped the ball with this movie, with his approach, with his documentary style of of making this movie this quote-unquote realism that he went for doesn't work you need and and i'm gonna play some quotes here in in a few minutes um actually i could probably play one uh play one right now of 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 just you know i I went back and i i looked this week at um some interviews of him just him talking about it and what his thought process was because i'm like surely like what what the heck went wrong you know i'm just so confused by this because this should have seemed like a bunt, you know, like you bunt it and, and the freaking guy runs home easily and every, you know, everyone takes their base and everyone's fine. And, and this should have been the easiest, easiest thing for everybody to make. Like the, basically I feel like Disney knew this was going to make $200 million opening weekend, whether it was good or not based on the trailer. Right. <laughs> it's like, they basically made this movie for the trailer and, and, I'm just baffled at how bad this was. So um, I just want to kind of throw some quotes out uh, in a little bit about of, of John Favreau talking about the movie that, that I found fascinating, but I do want to get our general thoughts from, from Tom uh, before we dive deeper into our review of the Lion King. So Tom, what did you think? What did you expect from, yeah. from this and general thoughts on this reboot? Yeah, well, I'm I'm excited to hear how optimistic you guys are about the 1.5 billion. I'm way behind in my draft right now. And, uh, <laughs> I took a, I took a big I'm right hit there with you, man. On um, man, who would have thought Godzilla and Pokemon would crash so hard? I didn't um, think. Uh, yeah, uh, Pokemon. I, I I'm guilty of that. I had that in my draft. I thought that would be. I was a, counting on a one B for that. Yeah, an international but, uh, success, and it was not what I what I expected, but. So, uh, yeah, I hope this one makes the money just for, you know, my own selfish reasons. But now uh, the movie itself, it's, just, it's complicated. It's, there's a lot of interesting conversation around this movie. In general, I had a great time with it. Um, I had a great time in the theater. I, I hear a lot of people asking the question, who is this for? And, you know, that's always an interesting the question to ask. That, oh, of course. Then, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> But I guess I might have a bit of a bias towards this movie. And I would say, in a way, this movie kind of feels directed towards somebody like me. Um, You know, I work in the visual effects industry. Um, I have a visual arts degree. I I, I found a weird inspiration in Jon Favreau as a person in, like, his normal life this year, you know, with some of his casual stuff that he's been doing, um, be it Netflix or playing happy in the Marvel movies. the movie itself, you know, it, it's solid songs. It's uh, great Zimmer music. He, in fact, he got to actually complete his music in this one with full live track orchestra, which he didn't in the first one. Apparently, he had to uh, like scrap together some like digital uh, score for that one. Um, 
I like the voice cast. I mean, I think the outstanding addition of Eichner and Rogan, you know, was something that was a lot of yeah. fun. More than it, anything, I, I love like the Attenborough style shows a lot. Uh, you know, I've watched all the Planet Earths and the Blue Planet and the, uh, you know, Netflix's uh, what a, whatever that one's called. Um, but I, I really like those shows, and I, I kind of received the concerted effort to make it feel like that, you know, um, and. Uh, that kind of spoke to me and i guess the part where my bias kicks in is i I love technical innovations in the film industry i guess even in spite of whether or not the film is as uh critically or kind of critique wise artistic as the things that will eventually come after it using the same tech Uh, i love kind of recognizing when something's like breaking new ground and there was some really amazing tech and innovation deployed on this movie that was even a major step up from what they did on jungle book uh so that that kind of stuff get, gets me excited um you know negatives i guess <laughs> in a weird way i found myself kind of questioning the narrative and the overall story of lion king watching it this way in that there's some kind of big holes in certain parts where it feels like they could have in a weird way, I feel like I could have used two or three more scenes. Yeah, and then maybe that maybe was cut my some biggest other... thing. The pacing yeah. is so so much more jarring in this version, right? Um, which is beholden to the structure of the original. So in a way, yeah. it's like in my question, it might right? Yeah, myself. and it's the same, but it's um, still jar. It's more jarring this time, which is confusing, even though it's the same yeah, structure. I, yeah, it was yeah, the same, but it, one one thing, Thomas, and I don't know let yeah, you keep going, but the the pacing of the dialogue was shocking to me. Like I was, because there's a lot of lines in this that come directly from the script, from the, from the 93 version. And in almost every single instance, the, the delivery of the line in the 93 version is significantly better and more fitting yeah, to what yeah. is happening on JTT screen fan. than what it is in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, I, mean, seriously. I completely agree. But even James Earl Jones, agree. it's the same. Yeah. Like, I mean, James Earl Jones' lines... performance is better in the original, for sure. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, totally there's agree. there's lines where he is literally saying the exact same thing, and it it found, it sounds like an, an AI trying to replicate what James Earl Jones yeah. did in 1993. It was... It more than anything else to me, and and I'm I'm gonna come out much higher on this, obviously, than Kent or Richard. Uh, and Thomas, you and I are gonna be battling out for top grade. It sounds <laughs> like, but but regardless, like I'm gonna come out pretty high on this in some regards. But that was just confusing, and and in some ways, just almost devastating to me. Like I'm sitting here watching, be like, how are you butchering this? This is like you can do as many takes as you want to get the right one, and and we're just. We're just killing the dialogue on this movie. It was shocking to me. So well, and and you know, like I actually had a weird thought. I was like, did they just use the James Earl Jones audio from the original? And it should have, yeah, yeah. And if you're going to do that, why not just do it with everybody, right? I, I uh, honestly, I honestly, which would have been an interesting it, yeah. exercise, actually, if you just literally copied the audio from the original and then just remade it reanimated uh, it i, I would have been down for that honestly would have been be, a better movie yeah um one of me and me and one of my buddies at work actually talked about he, my, my friend likes to do recuts of things they're like what if we actually did an attenborough style recut of this movie uh <laughs> without all the talking and just the animals and like the attenborough uh lying like pride stuff kind of masked over it but uh but yeah besides that um 
I don't know. I don't. I didn't find a lot personally to be really upset about. I no, it's not perfect movie. You know, I don't even know if this is going to make my top ten by the end of the year. But um, I did absorb some of that early criticism and felt kind of surprised. I was actually prepared to. I was like, okay, I'm gonna prepare myself for this podcast to be able to explain why it didn't work from a visual effects standpoint in the same way that you know i could explain why the cats trailer doesn't work from a visual effects perspective but i actually found myself um kind of on the other side of it you know i guess i i, I let myself enjoy it a little more i don't know we'll see on second viewing I'll, yeah sure. i may rewatch it on disney plus later this year but yeah that's my general thought i think um i think from a visual effects standpoint it uh it, 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 um, is groundbreaking. I mean, just from the standpoint of it was completely shot in digital sets and with digital characters, right? Um, no mm-hmm. human on set. Um, you know, I think th- from that perspective, it's undeniable that, uh, they, the artists knew what they were doing. But, you know, to me, that's just, that's just the, the sign of the times more than anything, more than like this mm-hmm. movie, you know, I'm, I think Warner Brothers could have done this. I think anybody could have done this movie. The technology is available. I don't think it's 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 like what James Cameron did with Avatar, where True. it was like this new thing that nobody had seen, right? I just think the technology is available now to make photoreal animals, and so they they did it here. But I just think like some of the fundamental the fundamental um, approach of the movie was flawed, in my opinion, and and mm-hmm. and Favreau went on Kimmel and talked about and talked about it a little bit and said that they didn't screen the movie for anybody and that he had been working on it for three years and that nobody had seen the movie. Um, I'm, I'm going to play that clip for you right now because it's actually uh, pretty fascinating. So three years you've been working on yeah, this movie yeah. and you're, the premiere is the first time you've shown the film to an audience, a yeah, real which audience. is rare. Usually by the time you're premiering the film, you've had test screenings or you've shown it to groups or you've had advanced screenings for critics. But we finished just in time for this premiere, and there it was in the Dolby, mm-hmm. where huge uh, theater, huge theater where you've hosted uh, the Oscars. Oscars yeah, so it's so a it's a, it's a bit intimidating. And then everybody's there. The actors hadn't seen the film; most of them hadn't seen any of it yet. And there we were, and you're starting to realize maybe they won't like it. Like mm-hmm. you never think about that. You do all the publicity, and I'm there just digging my. Good thing I bite my nails because I was digging my fingers into my wife's wrist <laughs> the whole time. Really, you were that nervous? I was because I'm used to doing comedy. Uh-huh. And, you know, the beginning of Lion King, there's I don't, no spoilers, but there's some sad things that happen <laughs> in the movie. Uh, but once Billy and Seth, as Timon and Pumbaa came on, and I felt the laugh starting to spread, uh, that's when I felt I started to relax, eat my popcorn, and be able to enjoy the evening. That's a concern to me <laughs> on, like, 50 different levels. First of all, he never thought that, like, people wouldn't like the movie like he never thought to ask anyone if is this a good movie guys right like no one saw the movie really (laughs) anyone no no test screening of any kind i i like to me that proves they didn't care they don't care if it's good they don't care if it does justice to the original they don't care if it's tarnishing their legacy right it's all can i can i push i want to push back just a little bit this because this is I agree with what you're saying to to the extent that it seems like a bad idea to not have some other voices in the process. I 100% agree with that. 
but also there it, it is a little bit of a lose lose for Favreau and for Disney on on t- two fronts. And one is what you just said is if if we say okay, well, obviously Disney didn't care because they they didn't they didn't get involved in the screening the the process they didn't all this. But then we're also gonna piss and moan when Disney jacks up the process for a filmmaker. So it's like it that's a lose lose for Disney if if you if you if you don't get in there and and try to make this the best it can be and go through the process that you go through at a huge studio like Disney, then you're then you don't care about the film. You just want the cash. And if you do, then you're messing up the vision of the filmmaker. That's that's a lose lose. And well, I think Favreau had delivered with with uh, Jungle Book for them. And sure, and, sure, yeah. So I think they were more confident with him than a normal sure person and, within and their that, infrastructure. Right. And then for Favreau, the lose lose is if you make this exactly like the original movie, then everybody says, what was the point of this? You just, you just remade a movie that was already re- great. Why didn't you just re-release the original movie? What, what, what's the necessity of doing this? And if he doesn't and he changes some things and he puts in some new stuff, then everybody's like, well, but you're just, you're cheapening the original. You well, just I, no, you screwed I, up I, all the things. I, so I, 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 I mean, to finish, I, I, I get what, I totally get what you're saying. Ken. I'm not, I don't disagree at all. And there's, there's, um, it's concerning to me as well. Like it's not, Filmmaking, especially at this level with this budget, that it's a collaborative process, and to not have anyone screening that is is shocking to me. That that Disney let him get away with that, but I don't think it means that Disney is like just give us the checks. We don't really care. It's I just like, think it was a we're going to get out of the way of an established filmmaker and let him make the movie that he wants to make, and that may never happen again because this <laughs> didn't turn out the way that they would have wanted it to. You know? Yeah, it's like they. They honestly, you know, they, they did. They put all their eggs in one basket. They put it in the, in the Favreau camp. And it's like there, there is a version of this movie that can, A, do justice to the original and hit all the notes that everyone from the original wants to see, that John Favreau can change things of his own artistic volition, and it's good. I think that could happen. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what what I'm saying here. I'm saying is he's pre- they're they're yeah. purposely preventing that process from happening for for no reason than selfish corporate ambition. And it's so stupid that they wouldn't show this screening to people and have somebody who knows knows what they're talking about see it and say, "Hey guys, might want to check out that Lion King movie before you release it because uh, none of it works, but it could if you fix X X and X, right?" And then it comes out and it's. Ninety-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and maybe makes two hundred fifty million dollars opening weekend, right? I That's think, what I don't understand. Like, why would you not want that guard that collaboration? I, I, uh, I think it's very they confusing. just. I think it was a timeline issue too. Like you said, they just finished it. I think it's just bad planning all around. You know, I oh, think they so bad. Understandably, have a little bit of an invincibility complex because they have hit. Sure. You know, as someone who has been critical of Disney on here. You know, they've hit way more than they've missed, and I, I get that sort of swagger, and eventually that, that catches up to you, and maybe it humbles you, and as Brian said, changes the way you do things going forward, certainly. Yeah. Um, but on, on the on the test screening piece, also, yeah, things, but test screens can also be awful, but I you obviously you wish within the Disney infrastructure, producer-wise, uh, more maybe more people have taken a look at it, but I think they think, you know, Favreau... Norm, I mean, with the exception of Cowboys and Aliens and, like, Made, I don't think it's really made a bad movie... And sure. so, you know, he's got a pretty good track record there. So you, you trust him more than you would trust, you know, a, new, a first time Marvel filmmaker or Disney filmmaker or whatever. So that that's 
frustrated. But I, I think, too, uh, to key in on this point before we go a little bit more specifics, because I know Ken has a few things, very funny things, actually, he wants to touch on. But um, I, I wanted to, th- I, I walked out of this and I was like, you know, and I, I, I really treated this intellectually or honestly, I, I think, within my head. I go, you know, this, this there is a fatigue to this already. Um, it seems it is a cynical enterprise from the offset, whether, but, but there can, as we mentioned, there is a way to still be, do a cynical enterprise, you know, the star Wars movies are a cynical enterprise. They're still mostly good. The new one. Um, so there is a way to do that and Mm -hmm. still make a good film within that. And and if you, with the, within, so I I was thinking, okay, so if this had been the first one, if, if, if Aladdin hadn't come out and jungle book hadn't Mm -hmm. come out and Dumbo hadn't come out and Cinderella hadn't come out all, you know, they go, we're going to do this cool thing. We're going to do live action Lion King and oh my God, this CGI and this cast and buckle up. I think it still would have not been good to me. I, yeah, I think yeah. I, I don't think, it, I don't yeah. think the fatigue played in. I really tried to think that way Sure. and go, okay, maybe I'm just bored of this concept or I, now I'm really beaten down by it. I, I just don't think it's very good p- period, which is a bump, which is an even bigger bummer. But to your point, Tom, it is. I am not a visually, I'm not a, not a visual effect artist, but I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sick in Microsoft paint, um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but only, uh, risque things, but no, but I can, I, I'm, but I'm not in, in, in B, I'm not a visual person, period. I'm very audio based. I'm, I don't notice things, but I was obviously blown away at this and it's, it's so, uh, impressive the, the animation. So I certainly see that someone of your, uh, not necessarily vocation, but also just the way your brain works would be a lot more mesmerized and touched, and mm. you know what goes into this, you know. But to 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 me, and I think you know at least fifty percent of the audience, you're going, all right, that's cool. It looks really cool. Uh, I I'm, I love if there was some story behind it. I, you know, the thing about Pixar is, you know, hot damn, is that animation cool? But I think those stories would work if they were stick figures, and so it it. I think supports the story in a weird way. And this just has that. And then yeah. just, right. Just it, it, the pacing and everything else was, was off to me, but I'll, I'll shut up. Cause you guys are smarter than me. And, and I, there's two things. One thing I agree with that Kent said, and also something I kind of want to push back against a little bit. I, the whole, I hadn't heard that clip of Don Favreau with the not in the movie. There's more um, clips. Trust me. That, <laughs> uh, that was just the one I the most egregious. Yeah. Yeah, I actually just watched the other variety piece that I watched before I kind of came on just to like see, learn a little bit more. But um, I, I do think it's bonkers to like not screen your film. And I know Disney does have a weird screening thing where they don't screen any films ever at all, like Marvel, Pixar, Star Wars, whatever, outside of the umbrella of companies and in some cases the families within the companies. So I guess there is a weird kind of bias that's always going to come from the test screenings regardless um but i, I did the thing i do push back against a little bit is I, I i was thinking about it the other day if you consider just the disney corporate umbrella of properties which ones what percentage of the movies that they're investing in that are remakes it's actually pretty small and because it's really only these walt disney pictures movies because even the disney animation is creating new ip constantly and star wars is new and marvel's new and pixar is constantly new so these are the only films that they're remaking per se and each one of them is raking in more money than they're using to produce and i like to think of the fact that like without maybe 
two or three of these movies that they're getting $1 billion in revenue from, maybe that's a few theaters that close every year. I don't totally. know. Um, and, and so, you know, I, there is, there is this whole like, you know, down with the corporation thing that I know is really fun to rally behind. But then there's also the, the fact that, uh, you know, they're Disney's kind of single-handedly keeping a lot of theaters open right now in 2019. Oh, totally. For, in the and, short term, for sure. I, but I do think, well, I think yeah. they will kill theaters eventually. The mono, the Dude, mono they, production they, company will kill it yeah, eventually. They, they, they got a, a, almost a, I don't know, monopoly over theaters at this point, you know? Um, but it, it's, um, it's, it's something that I don't understand because, what we've been saying this entire episode so far, this movie was going to make $200 million opening weekend regardless. So why not make it good? I don't understand that. You know, it's like, why not do everything yeah. your freaking power to make it good? It's not like if it's bad, it's going to make $30 million. You know why? Because it was bad and it's still made $200 million. You know, like I, that's what, that's just, that well, just dumbfounds me. It's like, it they, wasn't outstanding, you know? And I guess, for people that have who do cherish the original so much, it's one of those lose lose situations where anything less than outstanding or or like masterful is kind of a disappointment. Sure, um, you know. I just thought the source material here. Um, I mean, this is a layup. I mean, I just thought like, especially with what Favreau was able to do with the Jungle Book and take something right. that I thought was difficult to adapt to film and and right. made right. it the best of these um i thought he was this was way easier of a of an assignment for him you know um I, it's just and he got so much of it on. right with cast and yeah and obviously he, the look and feel he did um but he, i think what what the, the greatest strength of this is also its weakness and that the animals are so real looking that they don't emote yeah. and it's like oh yeah i kind of <laughs> yeah. like no, simba yeah, to swing yeah. from a vine and like yeah. put his eyebrows up and stuff that no i didn't realize I, how much i missed yeah that. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I'm and Thomas, I'm with you, man. I I love the I love the Attenborough stuff. I love the Disney nature films that they've done over the last ten years or whatever. All those things. That's I grew up watching uh, Wild Wild America, like that kind of stuff. Just constantly. trying to see nudity, though. Right, obviously, <laughs> just hoping and praying. Uh, PBS, let me down. But uh, but you know, I love that style of stuff, and I I think it. I thought it was a great idea to try to do that, but but then <laughs> you're right, Richard. Like once it started, I'm like, oh, this is it's weird. Like we yeah. can't, we're it not was, seeing yeah. any emotion conveyed, and yeah. this is starting to feel. I the first half of the movie in particular, yes, feels, it does get better. I will it say. does that. That's a major. I, I, right up to Donald Glover coming on as Simba and and Timon and Pumbaa coming on I was like this is terrible oh, like I'm really yeah. really out on this That's what that's so, exactly what Favreau just said too Yeah he was like, they, and, yeah, until absolutely. they show up it's yeah. ooh yeah that, but that's like, <laughs> that's like 15 that's minutes halfway the through the movie yeah yeah exactly so <laughs> yeah. but they they the kid, for me dude, the kids so bad Yeah the kids, no, sorry no. to the kid yeah not I don't not, like talk, it's kind of Jake Lloydy like kid yeah. actors but yeah 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 but yeah, you know, I, I think, think all that stuff was right. No, I, th I thought Kid Simba was terrible. It was it was well, rough. I thought Kid was, was great. She yeah, was, was better. Yeah, she, she was better. Voice. But yeah, you I do mean, you do realize you're missing emotion at that point, and you're just like, whoa, what do we what do we do with this? This is it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing for me at least. It was like like a weird discovery as I'm going through this movie. It was like, oh, actually, kind of this yeah. 
realistic but, documentarian standpoint. It doesn't quite work for what we're doing here. I won't whine at Favreau for that because I thought it was a yeah, great no, idea. No, totally. Same, same exact mm-hmm. exact thing. No, yeah. I, dis- I completely disagree. 100% <laughs> disagree because, dude, I do not want to go to this Africa in this movie. I don't. <laughs> I want to go to the Africa and the Lion King, the, the mm-hmm. colorful, vibrant, incredibly photographed uh, Africa. And I don't agree with the we're going to shoot this like it actually looks because it doesn't look that great. And I'm 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 I, I just dumbfounded by that. And I want to get your thoughts on this quote, Tom. This is from Vanity Fair's Notes on a Scene, which is a YouTube series that they do. Yep. And they and they have directors on there and they'll go on there like with a telestrator and they'll write on like scenes. So he talks about the circle of life sequence in this. The Rafiki thing, huh? The what? The, the Rafiki thing? No, no, I'm not yeah. playing that clip. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, but he did talk about, yeah, I'll mention that. Um, he talked about Rafiki and why Rafiki doesn't stand to lift Simba up at the beginning, like he does in the original. And they said, well, a normal monkey wouldn't do that move. <laughs> and like certain things, it's like nobody cares or or knows that, you know? It's not what happened. Yeah, well, there's certain things that like, you expect, and just because they didn't happen in nature doesn't mean we wouldn't regularly happen in nature. Doesn't mean we can't put them in this movie. And I just think yeah, that approach we can just is watch completely the wrong. Yeah, I actually he's do saying agree with that, that in a movie yeah. where animals are talking and singing. Yeah, okay, that's, that's the point. Let's let's bridge these two yes. things. If you want to do this Attenborough right. approach to things, I think that's a great idea, and There's I think it really works. But yes, but but again, you're right, Ken. Like this is a movie about singing lions and stuff so (laughs) like we're gonna have to figure out how to make that work within the medium it's i don't know it's it's like when when a video game movie comes out and people who love the video game are like well but that's that's a thing that happens in the video game like i don't care i am seeing a movie you have to make the movie you have to make the medium in which you are working work in order for it to be good and that and that's where Yes, let's get a little let's get a little bridge going here between this realistic documentary approach. That's great. I think that's a great concept. But also, we do something about these dead eyes on these lines because it's creeping me out. <laughs> it's very you know? polar expressive. They, um, I need to play this clip. My jaw dropped when I heard this. I, oh, can't, I know which one. I, I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe he said this. Listen to this. We see it once again. Backlit animals. It's talking about Pride Rock. Beautiful. We have a side lit, contoured pride rock and something that i like to do is i like to keep the skies very simple because you have to get very lucky to have a beautiful sky when you're really photographing but in cg you could put in whatever sky you want often cg artists are tempted to make the skies beautiful because why not it costs the same amount it's just as easy to do but i find when i watch a movie with a lot of beautiful skies one after the other i'm like that's too lucky for real photography and to me there's something beautiful about naturalism and so this is one of the prettier skies in the movie, but you could see that we we showed a lot of restraint and didn't put, like, billowing clouds. It looks kind of simple. The sun is just scraping the animals and, and the grass to add some, some contour and some separation. All of this imagery is important, but the most important thing is the music because that's what we really remember. I can't believe he said, <laughs> why not? We don't want to make it beautiful. <laughs> it costs the same. Let's not, let's make it purposely crappy. That's what he literally just said. Yeah. And no one, no one what other are than you a freaking director talking is, about, dude. Like, no one, make it look good. I don't care. You know, like make yeah. it look yeah, I, entertaining and good. That's what I want this I, movie to be. 
I don't care I hesitate if it... to uh, oh. support you here, but I do very much agree with that. And oh. and part of the reason that I do agree with that is because, uh, again, from another kind of sort of nature slash science oriented series, uh, One Strange Rock. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that show. Um, it's like produced by Aronofsky. It's it's pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. I know but, what you're talking about. Yeah. But what that show does, it goes to the weirdest corners of, of the Earth. And... And the one thing visually that I felt was missing from this was like, there's some really weird stuff in the world and there's some really insane vistas and landscapes. Like even in Africa, like there are these regions where there's just like, literally it looks like a scene from guardians of the galaxy. And it's the kind of thing where you see that in this show and it's real photography and you think, wow, um, all that stuff I thought looked just crazy in Guardians of the Galaxy is actually kind of taking a little bit from the inspiration of these gaseous, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Um, emanating, bubbling, like, you know, biome pools that exist in the weirdest, hottest corners of Africa. And, and part of me is like, just go all in on that. You know, it is, yeah. this is a weird kind of thing where you're using tools to create a completely fictional environment. And I understand the, I guess instinct to try and go for absolute realism, but also movies are meant to kind of idealize life or hyper realize it, you know? Um, and I, I guess there was a bit of a missed opportunity to really push that. I think there were some sequences in this movie where he did push the like weirdness of nature and, and put that on display in some fun ways. Mm. Uh, and I guess that was the stuff that I really kind of remember and latched onto, but, but then, yeah, like, make the sky gorgeous. And I can't believe he said that. Like, we're not yeah. going to put billowing clouds. He said, because it looks too beautiful. Is that, is there such thing as too beautiful in a movie? Like no one's walking out and saying, man, I would have loved that. Yeah. It looked too good. Right. Right. Considering well, no one how, many says that. I've had to, how many times I've had to replace skies to make them look prettier and live. Right. Yeah, thoughts. sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Oh, that's dumb. That, that's, that's like, I mean, that's a pretty, I don't want to say it's typical, but that that happens. It seems like we get that a lot with directors in visually compelling and and big time that kind of storytelling. We just kind of get lost in the weeds of of yeah, making it for other directors. Yeah, ex- exactly. He, the he visual side of things, and that's yeah, cool. But did. you have right, to make right. the movie. Like yeah. at the end of the day, you got to make the movie. I mean, James Cameron right. is is the most guilty example. I mean, he, he that's that's everything everything he does like. Well, we created this technology to make the the Navi people look um, incredible on Pandora. And you're like, but then you named this thing Unobtainium, you know? Like <laughs> th- these are these are the things that you you. It's great that you are. Th- I, I think it's great that Favreau's thinking that way because that it's cool. Like it's and I under I understand what he's trying to do there. But at the end of the day, this is a movie that is going out to four thousand screens and to I don't know. S- Five billion people that are going to see this movie. Like, you got to make it for them, not for Robert Rodriguez. You know, right. it's it, it's it's that's frustrating. It, it mm-hmm. I could not. And considering this isn't shot, like if they would have actually gone out and shot this on plates, like like Tom, you know, if they have gone out to Africa with 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 a camera crew and shot this all out live action, and then put out stuff on these incredible landscapes, and they were like, man. This was our approach, guys. We're doing it documentary style, and we're going to shoot it for real, and it's going to be real landscapes, 
And then we're going to put CG on top of that with the animals. I would have been like, wow, that's an incredible idea, Favreau. I'm sure it's going to look as good, if not better, than planet Earth, right? But they didn't do that because this is entirely CG, and they made it look crappy on purpose. I, I don't understand, like, the, the to, to do CG and to make it look worse than is if it is as if you were there shooting it for real. Like to me, planet earth looks better than this movie. <laughs> like this should have blown that. This should have taken yeah, that as a reference and say, yeah. how can we make this look better than that? You know? Um, I don't know. That's uh that's weird. I want to get into some more specifics about the actual film though. And the differences right. between the animated version and, and all of that. So Favreau brags about this being, you know, longer than the original one. And, and it is, um, some scenes are, are fleshed out a little bit, uh, longer than they should. Uh, some lines were changed for reasons unknown and some weren't changed. I don't understand, uh, you know, the kind of the line that they, they chose on which, you know, for example, it's a, if you were to say go away to somebody, um, and their version would be don't come over here anymore. Right. It's just like they did thesaurus.com on like the entire Lion King script and kind of rewrote everything in a different way. And some of it's good. Um, I, I really enjoyed um, Zazu, actually. Um, John yeah. Oliver, I thought that was he, – he, I thought that was perfect casting. And I thought Timon and Pumbaa were perfect casting. And, and until they show up, it is just about as rough as you could possibly get. And um, they save the movie. Yeah. They save the day, so to speak. Um, and – and it's really fun. It really is. I will admit, I had a lot of fun with Timon and Pumbaa. I wish this would have been just a Timon and Pumbaa movie from beginning to end. I wish they would have had redone <laughs> that Lion King one and a half. Remember where it was like from their yeah, perspective? Yeah. That would have been so much better than this. Um, but um, What did you think about Chilotel Edge of War? Because I kind of dug him as Scar. I don't know. I thought he did some pretty good voice work. I thought the, the character of Scar was horribly written. Um, the mm -hmm. Because, I mean... Uh, you know, what the point I was getting to in terms of him stretching out the movie was uh, the only things that were stretched were we get like the mouse runs around for like four minutes at the beginning <laughs> before Scar shows up. And then like the piece of hair like flies across the desert for four more minutes <laughs> later. And I'm I literally like stood up and turned around during that. I'm like, is no one else <laughs> seeing what's happening right now? I'm like, is I it? Like the thing craps yeah. out the hair and like, what right. is happening? The dung beetle. Yeah. I mean, I, I literally get... watched a bird at the park this weekend oh, pick up gosh. some dog hair and take it to its nest. So that was a bit of a validating <laughs> moment for me personally. But um, I hear, I hear you. That was like the only thing I noticed. Like this is, this is stretched out from the original, and it was just like, why do we need this mouse for? for however long and then you know you expect the big paw to come smack him down like in the original and that doesn't happen like the things that that favreau blatantly took out was like I'm like why would you t change that you know um uh the the first half with the uh, stampede sequence we don't see an establishing shot of the of the stampede of uh, the wildebeest like grazing so we don't know this the scale or extent of of what's in the canyon, we just kind of like expect the stampede because we've seen the Lion King. So I, I, I did not like that at all either. Um, and that emotion of, of Mufasa's death doesn't land. I thought the uh, actual Mufasa's death, like him crawling up the thing and Scar coming down there and pushing him off. I thought that was really well done. Um, Same. The actual the, the like, first 
wildebeest that hits him too. Yeah. That's a real. That was one of the few spots in the movie that I felt like the the sound sound mix and the quality of it like that really there was like a thunk to the wildebeest hitting him and stuff and that was that was a yeah. plus i thought that was very well done whereas there were other parts in the movie where i was like man we're real. i'm very keenly aware that these are all cgi characters on a cgi backdrop because this there's no feeling to what is happening physically on on the screen but that sequence was one where i was like they they got that right this is a this is very uh it it feels much weightier even than than the original. Despite I, I would agree with you guys, I, there's a there's a little bit of I, the, Mufasa dying still worked for me on some levels, but it wasn't nearly as weighty as it really is as as it should have been. Well, yeah, and as we get into the comparison segment per se, uh, when when I'm curious, when's the last time you guys actually watched the ninety? Oh, 90 I watched ninety four. I watched it like a couple, couple weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I I actually haven't seen it in over a decade. Um, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. And and I intentionally kind of decided not to watch it before seeing this. I might watch it after actually. Sure. Um, but I kind of just wanted to give it its own merit in a way, you know, like kind of just go in mm-hmm. and see how much it the memory holds up because, you know, I do have strong memories of like opening that plastic uh, VHS case and popping it into the VCR and whatever. Uh, and remembering the movie itself, but mm-hmm. it's been a while since I saw it and, and I, it felt kind of nice to come at it fresh. Maybe that kind of gave me a leg up and liking it. But, sure. But yeah, I think there's something to that. My wife was in the same boat. She hadn't, Cooper and I rewatched this one pretty uh, fairly frequently. And then we did an episode on it here a, a few weeks ago. So I watched that. I watched it fresh for that. My wife hadn't seen it in several years or at least really seen it. Maybe as you know, walked through the room while Cooper was watching it or, or something like that. But, um, and I, she had a much higher appreciation for what was happening on screen for this one than, than I did, or most of my friends who have seen this movie, the original recently. So there, there may be something to that. I want to know, if there's anyone out there who hasn't seen the original and is like, mm. because I don't think that person exists, but like, I'm sure I don't there think are, this movie kids, works on you know? any level for anyone. If without that, the original, do you think like, I think this is a bad movie that, that people that like it, liked the original Lion King and can appreciate this for what it's doing in homage to that. Does that make sense? Um, I doubt that there's many people that are our age, Kent, that are in that boat, but mm-hmm. I, but I bet there's a, a pretty decent segment of people who are, uh, you know, in their teens or, or uh, maybe their early twenties or something like that, that this, that the Lion King, the, the original Lion King was not a movie that was a, you know, a frequent thing in their house or that, that they had access to or whatever. And that this is a, this is a new, new experience telling. Yeah. And a, a new love, experience. I would love to meet yeah. that person. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't think I've met a person who hasn't seen the Lion King. Right. And I know there are kids. Moment. I know there's oh, yeah. plenty of kids that are in that boat. Um, and that was one of my arguments for making this movie is like, Hey, this movie came out 25 plus years ago. So it's not a terrible thing to say, um, Hey kids, we're going to re we're going to introduce you to this, this thing. Now, in my opinion, I, I, again, as I've said before, I would just say re-release the movie, but we're going to do the remake and we have this new technology and all that sort of stuff. I think that's one of the better arguments for making the movie is that there are 
whatever, two and a half generations of people that have been born since that movie came yeah. out that may not have ever, ever seen it or certainly had have seen it a bunch of times, you know, to where it's like yeah. a, a frequent thing in their in their brains and in their household. I should actually ask my younger sister, who's 20, if because I don't even know if she's seen the original. She yeah. might have been like an infant whenever I was watching it as a kid. And and, you know, one might argue that Disney is kind of doing a service to current and future generations by kind of extending, kind of making these stories accessible um, beyond the 2D animation. I mean, like, I, I know people who just straight up don't like cartoons um, or 2D animation, no matter what kind of 2D animation it is. Um, and those are people that are just, they're going to watch this one and never even attempt to watch the old one. Um, and I, I understand how that, that's very sad. You know, I, I, I like 2D animation. I was inspired by it growing up as well. Um, and so it does kind of feel, I imagine to some people a little bit like an attack, like maybe they're trying to erase the old one. I don't know if that's anyone really has that intention though. Cause at the end of the day, both exist and we can choose which ones we want to show to our children. So it's, yeah, it's complicated. It's it's a it's a, it's kind of a catch twenty two for them because at the same time they you know they're making a billion dollars, but it's um, simultaneously they're tarnishing the legacy of their most iconic film forever. You know, it's like it's worth like would you would you uh, trade you know people souring their opinion on the Lion King over time for a billion dollars? It's like kind of yeah, probably would do that if you <laughs> yeah you know so you know I don't blame them. But at the same time, I do think there's a version of this movie that is good, and this is not it, and that's sad because it's yeah. not going to ever happen again. And right. um, it should be good. It should. It should have been. It should have been easy. I don't know why it isn't. Um, you know what? I, I don't. I'm under the impression that I think these animals could have emoted and had weird expressions and fun, like Rango style animation, and it would have been really fun and still kind of photo real in areas and. Could have worked. I don't. I don't agree with a lion wouldn't move his eyes that way. So we're not going to have him emote. I don't. I don't yeah. care. I. Yeah. I want. Yeah. I want He's a good singing. movie. He also doesn't sing. Yeah. He yeah. also so. isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, riding you. on the yeah. back of a a warthog or whatever it is. You know. Yeah. Like so. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't understand that. So um, for me, it's it's more of like that. See, that's almost like an honest mistake to me. Like that we're going to do it this photorealistic way, and it's going to look like a dog. All this. I think there's a good faith effort made there. It, for me, the bigger issue is how do you mess up the pacing of the dialogue? How do we not insert some scenes or or extend the scenes out a little bit to make the pacing and the tra- the scene transitions better to get from place to place? Because that's really bad in this movie as well. And the, can that's, you feel the love tonight at 10 How do you do Can You Feel the Love? Yes, yes. That was yes. a this huge, my favorite Kent Jag yes. in a long time. He did this one yesterday <laughs> for me at the pool. Yeah, dude. Oh, dying. my gosh. That like, was a unbelievably stupid choice and it, not just stupid but and i want because i want to hear i want to hear the rant can't but it's clearly it's, 10 in the morning it's, yeah uh, i mean it's it's this whole shows song up is and the night. i can see yeah. what's happening it's like what it's, is what's going well, on <laughs> that, yeah that definitely Decision. ties back into my criticisms of the narrative and how i yeah. kind of like mm-hmm. the middle of this movie feels like it's missing like 15 minutes of story in, yeah. in a weird way Cause like literally he aged, they'd even make a joke about it. Like, Oh, you've aged 500 pounds since we started this song. Just 
it was funny, but it kind of also pointed out like it is kind of weird that we've skipped over so many years. Meta, and meta suddenly, Lion King. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, boom, we have, uh, you know, I'll admit I love Donald Glover. His voice was a little too uh, recognizable. Yeah. And a little too separated from the body of the lion in this. And, and that didn't help when literally two scenes later, Nala shows up and suddenly she convinced. Suddenly they're in love, even the last time they talked to each right. other. I didn't understand just that. Friends, right? I don't remember that and from then, the original. And then That's she fine for a cartoon, but it needs back. to be fleshed out. Yeah. Right. Which, again, was the exact structure of the original in a way. Maybe there was some connective tissue in the animation that actually helped it in, along in a weird way. Or maybe animation just works better in this abbreviated well, kind of plot structure. Yes, and you, that's know. exactly right. Because you're aware you're what, especially as an adult or a teenager or whatever, like you're aware that you are watching a cartoon, a 2D mm-hmm. animation, a, a movie made for kids. And this is not. This movie is a is a family movie, less than a more so than a than a a, a movie made for kids. And we just expect we expect it to be different when it's photorealistic, and we feel like we, regardless that everything there is is. Gener- is is computer generated we we expect it a little a little bit differently we 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 have a higher expectation of what of what we're going to get from a story when it stops being a quote unquote kids movie and cuz the pacing is the it same starts being in, real right totally <laughs> the pacing is the same in the in the original version but a it it flows a little better and that's a big part of it the flow is just really bad but but it it's it's partly us coming in with a, not necessarily be like, eh, just just get me from point A to point B. I don't really care. But but having a little bit different expectations of what we're gonna see than what you when you get this movie instead. That's whatever, yeah. forty five minutes longer and uh, all these various things. You it, it should be pretty easy to figure out the pacing there on that stuff. Should this have should this have been a three D Pixar style animated movie? Like what? What do you think? That's what I was saying. Rango, Rango style, mm-hmm. right? Mocap, oh, like style, combo mocap, uh, um, something. Yeah. You know, I think they could have done 3D something. animated there. films. Yeah, three D animated films get away with some stuff. Like even I was thinking back to Spider Verse. His <laughs> Miles, Miles Morales' arc at the end of that movie is very very fast, and it almost feels like there were scenes missing if you were to make it in a live action format. But because it's animation, and it kind of gives you the freedom to piece things together right. in your own mind because you're literally imagining yeah. everything that you're looking at at all times sure um, maybe it also does a trick to the way you perceive story as well while you're kind of absorbing it and and, and, and it makes a difference better. yeah yeah it makes a difference too if, if the parts that are that are working in this kind of fast pace in some ways nonsensical fashion if they don't feel clunky, if you're not really aware of all the parts and that's, that was a, that's a big, that's a big issue. That's, that's again, it's part of the pacing of the dialogue. It's, it, it's that it looks weird when the animals are singing, but they're not emoting at the same time. And, uh, some of the other stuff, it's, it's, it all, you, you, you feel like you're seeing the gears turn to make all this stuff work. And that messes with your perception of what is a good narrative versus a bad narrative or a, whatever a janky narrative whatever you want to say it's it starts to seep into your brain a little bit on that front as well at least for me this this felt like a bad community theater rendition of the lion king set to dumb dumbly realistic 
CGI. That's what it was <laughs> like with <laughs> like plus a Beyonce single like like added yeah. in like but with a while Simba's way. running like, to Pride Rock and. <laughs> Yeah. I was just so ready for the movie to end at that point. I'm like, just fight Scar so we can leave. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I, I just like, I was so, you know, like if to, to me, this movie didn't, it didn't improve on the original in any way. And that's sad, <laughs> you know, like at least like, it's, you know, I, I think Timon and Pumbaa are, and Pumbaa are, are pretty are, huge improvement over. And I, I, I always good, liked them, but the I think they're just play. newer. You know, I just think it's an updated like the humor's just like, more updated. Yeah, I yeah, feel like it's just we like Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner's. It's it's more like I feel like yeah, Nathan Lane forever, and them were back in the day. Were like, oh, these guys are slaying. You know, like I, I don't. Yeah. <sighs> I just feel there's, like because that, that's that's that, what that sure. works, but I don't they know if it's felt an more like Does that make sense? In this yeah, one than in the original. I agree. The, the yeah, they, they, but, they, they're the, by far the best. Originals part. felt really musical characters because uh-huh, I mean that's Nathan sure. Lane. I mean he's one of the great sure. Broadway musical actors of all time. So I mean that's not really even a criticism, but right. this felt a little more. They belonged in this movie a little more. Mm-hmm. 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 And there were certain things you couldn't do with them. You couldn't do the hula dance scene with Timon, you know, like in the fight, like there are certain things you couldn't do in this version. Um, and so I liked what they did with Billy, with Billy. I thought Billy was, Thanks. was he the was best, he was the, the best part movie. of the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah absolutely. Great voice. Totally too, actually. Great. Yeah. Great. It totally personified what you would want. He took it in a new direction. It was, it was, it was relevant to the story. I thought, you know, there was just enough amount of improv in there. I loved, I loved it. And he's, his singing yeah. voice was phenomenal too. I, yeah. I did not yeah. realize it's a character perfectly. He too. said he was yeah. actually one was thought he was going to be on Broadway growing up. And then as soon as he realized he was funny, he wanted to do comedy. And that's I mean, but he, yeah. you know, he, he was classically trained as a singer and stuff. So that's why, but Seth Rogen's voice it, was not, not good at all. But it worked singing, for the character. It was, it was so right. funny to hear him like sing with, with uh two good singers you know and like he says he's got a song like uh can you feel the love tonight's on billboard and so he's got it he might get an actual like gold record like <laughs> seth rogan as a singer <laughs> you know like a pop artist it's funny. Yeah. Um, they did say in an interview how much how many hours and hours of footage and dialogue they had to it i would imagine they spent more time improving and recording than maybe anybody else um which I don't know. There's there was a weird even watching interviews with all the cast. There's kind of this strange separation between like the w- sincerity with which like uh, you know uh, Donald Glover and Chiwetel Ejiofor and and those characters kind of talk about their role in it, and then totally. how that is different than the way like John Oliver and, and these comedians talk about their way of doing it. And I mean, Don Glover's a comedian, like. Yeah. We couldn't. Maybe we could have made him a little funnier and probably a little. I don't know. Um, yeah, he's his character was very, very earnest by that point. But yeah, yeah, yeah there was yeah. some stuff in there with Timon and Pumbaa that they kept in from the original, like the balls of gas burning billions of miles away thing. Like they kept that in word for word, like that you know them laying in the grass looking up. And I was like, could they not have thought of something like with Seth Rogen and Billy Heigner that could have been. Them riffing on the stars that would have been fire, you know? Was that in the original? Yeah, the balls of gas. Line? Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah it's, it's word, word for, for word. word. Yeah, yeah. Um, I totally assumed that was a riff. Actually, no. Um, so that kind of stuff. I'm like, well, why was that the same? But you know, I don't. Yeah. It just never didn't seem like there was any kind of logic used on what we're going to keep and what we're not 
or we're going to change. And not that I'm complaining about being pissed off about it, but it's like, it just didn't make much sense because like they didn't go for a straight remake, but they were trying to change certain things. It was, it's a different interpretation that just like, Mm -hmm. unfortunately Mm -hmm. tried to, tried to quote the 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 its predecessor a little too too often and i think you could have done some fun visual cues at the original you know like the shot where the ants are like walking across the stick and it like you know the 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 shift of focus right the depth of field Mm -hmm. changes like an animation a 2d animation that's like a groundbreaking effect to do right and they did that and you know those types of homages of them like walking across the log you know like aging those types of things i thought you would do from the original but I thought Favreau would take more of a creative um, leap with certain things with uh, in terms of the story, in terms of the script, in terms of the, the dialogue and everything. But maybe Disney was just like, here's five lines that have to be in the movie and you've got to, you know, you can't change them in that. I, I think that's know. exactly what it was. I don't know. Um, yeah. But every song was in the movie um, uh, in some form or fashion. Um, I thought be prepared was god awful i thought that, that that's yeah, the that absolute work that's the absolute low point of these disney reboots was that that song uh, emma, oh. emma watson singing is oh yeah really, yeah, yeah. Really rough, i definitely yeah i would have preferred the slam poetry version personally but yeah it basically was yeah. it was like it was like he was just, just like weak be just prepared weak. you need yeah. to be prepared like that was the song like this is not that's 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 like a like a underdog like best song in that movie, you know. A lot of people love that sequence, the whole thing. Mm. I would have loved to have seen that with like the volcanoes and all they could have done with that. Um, but it's just like they should have let Spike Lee direct that sequence, <laughs> right? Uh, that that was a huge letdown. I was like that that was just a huge fart of a of a scene. I was disappointed too in the sense. I I don't know if this was just my theater. I, but a couple other friends who's, who saw it in different theaters had same experience. The the sound mix and the volume, especially yeah. at the beginning, was really weak, and the I was super bummed by that because yeah. that I think I think that opening sequence is one of the great opening sequences of all time, animated or otherwise. I don't care. I think the just the straight in with the sunrise and the the circle of life and all the animals is such a great opening sequence, and it should hit you like it should be loud. You should be, for me, I was like, I want to be at the, the end of this song. I feel like I should be like on the verge of getting up and being like, hey, guys, can we turn it down a little bit? Like, it's, it's very loud. No. Very, I, need, I need that powerful. And I didn't get that at all. I was very I'm, disappointed by that. I'm interested that you say that because that was actually my first thought. And I, I, I feel like the mix changed eventually, but it definitely was not like a banger of an opening like it really yeah. should have been. That, like that, it almost... that may be the most disappointing thing to me because I was super pumped for that. I think that open is so great. And it just didn't have the 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 punch that I think you want from that that sequence. Yeah. Man, like this whole movie was storyboarded 25 years ago for them. Like how do you mess this up? I just don't understand. <laughs> you know, like they didn't even like – Oh man, I can't believe they didn't like just color palette, you know, like, like Tom, I'm talking about like, you know, Mm -hmm. certain like gorgeous, like pink sunsets and like things like that. Like, why would you not just like shot for shot, like take side by side, say, all right, we want to duplicate this, this color palette, you know, for this sequence. Um, the, like, like Simba talking to Mufasa in the clouds. I'm like, 
where's Mufasa? You know, like there's like a yeah, flash of lightning. They went you don't for see realism. I, I don't care about real. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I want to see. Ah. I mean, yeah. You think back to Black Panther that whenever he goes into the uh, kind of ancestral plane, and there's mm. that very bright purple sky that was like right. No, exactly. it doesn't look real, but it yeah, imitates perfect. with great example the spirit yeah. of Africa. Um, maybe Ryan Coogler should have directed this movie. I don't you know. know. What? <laughs> I, I, I honestly think this might have been like better with somebody who was less ambitious artistically, honestly, you know, like somebody who just hit it straight down the middle. Like Guy Ritchie honestly probably should have done this one. And like, eh, I don't know. Well, John Favreau is not an incredibly artistic director. He He's he, – I know, but his approach dense. to this was was yeah. was to do – we're going to shoot this as if we're on long lens photography in Africa. Like we're shooting literally like you would shoot on national geographic documentary. And he sacrificed entertainment for that. Like to say he did that, like, uh, and that's, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't, uh, uh we talked about that, but, um, um, that's uh, the last thing I kind of had in my notes was the Mufasa cloud thing being kind of, being kind of messed up. Um, or wishing yeah. that had been a little bit better or been a better moment. Cause it's so memorable in the beginning. I liked Rafiki a lot in this. Um, I love the look of the uh, Rafiki. Um, I loved his role and, um, I w- wish he would have had a regular baboons, butt. I guess they can't show animal butts in this movie at all. Like no animal had a butt in this movie. <laughs> and... was just for your screening though. Cause they know. Oh yeah. The butt, <laughs> the butt version. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Adults only the butt version. Um, that was a weird thing. Like, if you're going to do photo real, why don't these animals have, like, butts? Okay. Um, get a butt. Really looking around? for some animal please, balls. Get please those make butts that, out of here. <laughs> please make that your Rotten Tomatoes blur. Yeah. Where, where are, where are, are the, the meerkat animal, balls? Where are the animal, animal butts? Yeah. The rotten. Can't hear it. mad about movies. Rotten. I should have done that. Uh, um, there's a line in here, like... Uh, I'm sure it was just an improv line that uh, they say uh, Hakuna Matata. And he's like, what? Hakuna Matata. And then like uh, Pumba, Pumba says, yeah, usually people give us a bigger reaction. It's like, did you just say people in this movie? Uh, I don't, I don't know. That was a, I think that was like a, um, something they th- kept in and hoping no one noticed. Oh, well, alarm's going off now. Should be time to end. Um, I think that's time for grades, guys. Um you guys got anything else um, yeah. overall? We touched on the soundtrack. We touched on the direction. We touched on the acting. Um, just like overall impact of this, man. This is the this was the big dog for Disney. This was it. Um, I think Mulan will could be good if it, they just do historical epic. Uh, apparently, you know, the they're not going with musical at all with that. Um, they're not. Uh, it's not going to have Mushu in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's going to be. Pretty excited about that. Yeah, I think that could be. Um, Trailer's gorgeous. To me, so far, if I'm ranking these reboot remakes, I think Peach Dragon's probably the best of them. Um, It was obviously the least successful. I think that's probably the best interpretation of the new material. Um, Cinderella's probably my second favorite. I actually really enjoyed that one. Um, Which other ones were there? Beauty Jungle, Jungle Book. Book. Jungle Book after that, for sure. Um, And then I would probably say... You have Cinderella ahead of Jungle Book? Yeah, I probably do. I do, I do yeah. too. Interesting. 
I, I think that I really they, like that Cinderella. I yeah, think I think awesome. they were able to really improve and and expand upon and pay homage to the original man. I, I do, and I think Kenneth Branagh knew exactly what he was doing with that. Um, and after that, I, you know, it's Aladdin, Dumbo. I think Dumbo is better than this. I think Aladdin's better than this. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. I do. Oh, um, okay. This is like, I mean, as a standalone movie, it's bad. You know, like aside from it being the Lion King and and us knowing what we know about it and loving, I just can't wait to be king. I just think if this was any other movie and we're watching it and it's like this lion randomly started singing, I'm gonna be the mighty. We're like, what is happening? You know, like where, what, I don't know if this would work on, on any level. So um, that's a concern too. Um, just a standalone film, I don't think it works. So um so yeah that's that'd be my rankings where where would you guys put it right um jungle book one for me mm-hmm. well peace dragon is great too that's almost like a different i almost have that in a different category yeah. um then i'd have i'd have cinderella after jungle book i'd i pro i mean it's all around the same beauty and the beast aladdin lion king i probably have this ahead of that by vague percentages uh but but again a big part of it is so much of what is really enjoyable and good about it is just a direct pull from the source material so it's yeah. it's very difficult to to it's almost like i don't want to give it the benefit of the doubt because of that but i did enjoy this more much more than i enjoyed my aladdin experience and gosh i just i so badly wish we could go back and and redo beauty and the beast with just like a ficus instead of emily watson just yeah just really rough on the on the uh just really rough on the on the main on the lead standpoint so i look for me this is probably better than beauty and the beast but it is also more disappointing because i just i love the lion king so much and i think it's such a perfect animated film and and the the peak of disney and beauty and the beast is great too it's freaking nominated for you know oscar and stuff so it's not like it was it's like the black cauldron or something but but i for me the lion king was is like the the pinnacle of disney movies and so for it to for this remake to come out and for it to and with this assemblage of talent and a director who i really dig and and all this for it to be anything less than than an a you know feels like a disappointment right. you know what i mean it's that's that's a and that's that's a bummer yeah um let's hit grades man let's get all let's let's do get, it let's get all those grades in here um i'll start it off and given the circumstances here <laughs> and the like i said this should have been a layup man it should have mm. it should have been easy um uh and, but it wasn't it, it was a disaster it really um i know it made a billion dollars but i think the reputation it's going to leave behind is a disaster um for disney um, so I'm going to give it an F minus, minus, minus. I have to. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, it's, this movie's so, Dang. so bad, man. It, it, this did not oh. have to happen. It did not have to be like this. It really didn't. And it's sad. It, it's because of the stakes of the Lion King, it automatically gets a letter grade below. So this is a D that is Lion King. So it's an F for, yeah. What about wow. you, Richard? Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go. I I hope this is in my 10 least favorite year because if there's <laughs> nine movies that are worse than this, 10 movies that are worse than this, that's that sucks. 
Um, I'm going to give it only because of Timon and Puma uh, an F plus. Good. There you go. Yeah, an F plus. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I hated Tough. this. I hated it Tough. really badly. And yeah, I'm way higher than that. I didn't, I, for me, it's less bad as much as it is disappointing in, in some ways. That's, that's, that's a bigger part for me, but there, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that just seems like should have been pretty easy to figure out how to fix. And somehow, somehow we did not, because we got to make sure that these skies don't look too you know, pretty. Oftentimes I look at the sky and um, say, that's too beautiful. <laughs> And can we make that look a little crappier, please? For the love of God, just somebody make call this it, not look call as Call Ed Harris and get right. that thing ugly. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Gosh. Yeah, I was way, 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 way lower on this until Timon and Pumbaa showed up. And and I think those two plus Donald Glover transitioning in um, as symbol were kind of saved it a little bit. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the C plus. And a very disappointing. Wow, that's C+. lower than I thought it would be for you, honestly. I'm kind of like, right on the fence on yeah. C plus B minus. When I put in my Rotten Tomato score, I may, I may, I may knock it up one notch for B minus, but we'll we'll see, we'll see. I enjoyed large swaths of it, but again, it's the stuff I enjoyed is just is Timon and Pumbaa, and then all the things that were great about '93. So, all right, Thomas finishes on a high note. I think I think you're going to come in a, a bit higher than all of us. So, uh, what's your grade? Uh, I'm kind of right with you, actually. Um, just for the sake of, you know, trying to tear the score up, I guess I'll go with B minus, but mm. I will probably forever be changing my letterbox score between three and a half and or three and three and a half stars forever. Uh, I don't know, because depending on what hour it is, I change my mind a little <laughs> bit. But sure. yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I not going to be in my top 10 of the year, but I wasn't too upset about it you know to yeah. me to me like there could have again with one good test screening i think and maybe an extra month in post-production to make some adjustments i think this could have scored tremendously higher for everybody uh and so that's not enough to make it quite a failure for me personally maybe just less yeah i don't than think it's a disaster successful. i think it's just a yeah. it's a disappointment as much as anything right. but i think there's going to be a fan edit of this it's going to be really good and i can't wait Probably. for that you know like they're gonna they're gonna bump up the saturation on all the skies and make them beautiful again i can't <laughs> wait for that okay yeah. um let's let's move on guys and let's hit a quick weekly recommend before we get out of here weekly recommends what is your recommend um brian I'm going to recommend a book that I picked up uh, recently. It's it's mostly a pictures book, which I prefer because I, I'm not a very good reader, as you guys know. Uh, it's called The Art of Being Bill, The Many Faces of Awesome by Ezra Croft and Jennifer Razor, or Riser, perhaps. Uh, it is just an entire compendium of portraits of Bill Murray in his various uh, various roles by a, I don't know, probably 200 different artists. There's a few little essays on... Some of the movies that he was in and the, the periods of his career and stuff. Uh, but most, but again, most of it is just beautiful portraits of uh, an American treasure, Bill Murray. And it's a, it's a really cool, cool little book that I found in a bookstore and I was very pumped to come across. Again, The Art of Being Bill, The Many Faces of Awesome. There's a lot of faces of awesome, man. I love me some Bill. That's awesome. I need to get that yeah. coffee table book. Yeah. Um, I'll send you guys a picture of it. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, I need, I need to see it. Um uh, Tom, what's your recommend? Um, 
trying to decide between a book, a comic, and a movie. Uh, I guess I'll do a movie. I, the morning after I saw Lion King, I actually went out and saw The Farewell. I don't know if that's uh, nice. has a wide release yet, but I think that's absolutely going to be an Oscar to contend related this year. So if anyone feels like getting emotionally wrecked, uh, I, I recommend going out and seeing that one because it's, it's very gorgeous Chinese American, uh, you know, filmmaker kind of bringing this very photographic, memory-based grandma movie to the world. That feels really great. So, yeah, awesome. I can't wait for that one, man. I'm I'm very excited to see it when I get a chance to see it at Uncle some point. going to be a nominee, you think? I, for good things, I could I could see it, and yeah. I mean, I I would almost go as far as saying Lulu Wang might be a lock for director in a weird way. You know, it's been a rough year so far, so um, we'll see. But <laughs> okay, well, uh, that's a good one. I, I'm excited for that one too. The farewell, I'm sure we'll talk about later in the year. Uh, Richard, what's your recommend? Yeah, mine's a book. Uh, recommended as author several times on this show since we've been doing it. He's probably had three or four books out since we started the show. And it's Chuck Klosterman's new uh, collection of short stories, which is a first for him, called Raised in Captivity. Finished it last night. Fantastic. And uh, highly recommend all of it. It's good read, as short stories are. Uh, but I've heard the Audible book is really cool. Audible. The audio book. There we go. Is really cool, too, because it has a really diverse cast of narrators from Mike Klosterman oh, himself. Nice. To Mike Berbiglia, to and Brent uh, Brian's gonna like this. Brent Musburger, oh, yeah, we're tough. <laughs> yeah, we're, you're looking now live we're at raising <laughs> captivity on Audible. Uh, so is it about AJ McCarron? The story? <laughs> no, unfortunately not. He got distracted halfway through and wandered <laughs> out of the studio. <laughs> but I love Brent Musburger, so I wish that would be his oh, next yeah. gambling advice and just narrating. Intense audibles would be such a great group for him. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, he became like the reader for James Patterson or something. <laughs> exactly. I would amazing. get all of them. Right. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but I read it regular style and it's, it's awesome. It's, it's really a cool use of Klosterman's writing style is, is fictional short story. They read like Klosterman essays that we've read in a million, you know, music magazines and stuff throughout the, throughout the years, but they're fictional. So he can kind of go wild and they're, they're awesome. That's great. I can't wait, man. I'm, I'm, I've got two books in my queue right now that I've got to, I've got to finish before I can start that one. But I, I can't wait. Awesome. Love me some Klosterman. Treasure. Future treasure. Chuck Klosterman. Um, all right. I'm going to recommend a movie that I rewatched again. I believe we talked about it on the show in the infancy of Mad About Movies, probably six years ago or so. Um, rewatched it. Holds up. Fantastic movie. Uh, the Master, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Nice. Um, rewatched it this past week. My girlfriend had never seen it before, um, so she was seeing it for the first time and, and got to experience it for the first time. Man, impeccably photographed film. I mean, just looks incredible on Blu-ray. And my favorite Joaquin performance. It's getting up there as my one of my favorite uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman performances. He's just stunning in the movie. Um, and Johnny Greenwood and the soundtrack and everything, um, it, it holds up and uh, is worth your yeah, time. Adams, you never that too. Amy Adams, uh, yeah, it is great. Um, uh, Rami Malik randomly in the movie, I forgot about him uh, <laughs> in a pretty big role. And Jesse Plemons as well, and, and before he really got uh, to become what he is. So it's fun to go back and see that. But uh, man, The Master, great movie. If you haven't seen it and you're not a uh, 
Paul Thomas Anderson fan, um, I would suggest maybe seeing another movie first, but it's, uh, it's certainly, <laughs> um, uh, an experience and, and it, it's, uh, it holds up really well in terms of, uh, um, how it's photographed and how I remember Brian, it. Brian, you like that one somewhat, right? It's not like Phantom Thread where you're just out on it or do you not like that one either? Yeah, no, I, I like the master pretty well. Phantom Thread was, was, uh, not my favorite movie, but, uh, the master's great. I'll, yeah, all Palm, all, all of his movies are like, gosh, this is incredible. I will watch this again in twenty years for me. <laughs> it's just, it's not my, not my style of, uh, of filmmaking. But I, I love him, and I, I mean, obviously, he's, he's just fantastic. I would probably, off the top of my head, I would probably say The Master is his best film. It's my favorite. For me. It's become my favorite. Yeah, Boogie's still my number one, but that's there will be blood, guys. Two. Come on, there will be blood. I mean, that's that's a pretty strong three to have, man. Yeah. yeah. Also, Masters, pretty good warm-up for the Joker movie later this year. Yeah, I can't believe Joaquin wasn't nominated or didn't win an Oscar for... He was coming off that weird era where he, I'm not there and stuff. If he had done that two years later, he would have definitely, probably won, definitely been nominated. Dude, Because by the time her came out, we were back in... Yeah, I know. That was... Joaquin's the greatest in his prime American actor right now, I think. He he or Leo. I mean, Tom Hanks and stuff, they're like emeritus status. I mean, like, in their... Ten year prime, I think he and Leo are probably the two best American guys, and probably the Cub, I would say. Yeah, Those and three. the Cub. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, good point. All right, we'll end on that. Um, this has been an, a really fun discussion. I really appreciate your perspective, uh, Tom, from the visual effects standpoint, and uh, and yeah. having an outside perspective that was totally valuable. And and uh, and I see you in the VIP, and I appreciate your uh, patronage and all that, and supporting us over there. And we hope you'll enjoy uh, the episodes we've got coming out um it's been it's been really fun for us to be able to do those for you guys and hope you're enjoying it and thanks for being on the show but uh if they ever yeah, make a re- re- ever make, everybody make a reboot of this we'll see you back on right okay, you got did <laughs> uh, where good. can we find you online if you're we're a listener and we want to follow you yeah i'm uh at thomas of wilson on uh instagram letterboxd all the things uh you can find me there occasionally posting about some of my work and my own reviews and stuff. What, so, what, uh, yeah. what are you doing uh, in the industry? What's your specific role? What are you, are you a, a CG artist or? Um, I'm actually mostly a 2D artist. So I'm okay. primarily a compositor, but I, I, mm-hmm. I also do some VFX supervising, some editing, some stuff like that. Um, yeah, I've worked on a bunch of stuff, been doing it about 10 years now, mostly uh, a lot of TV these days, a lot of like Netflix shows and some uh, Amazon HBO stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. Cool. Very cool. Um, appreciate you being on the show. Brian, where can we find you online? You can find me on the Twitter, Beagle 12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the madaboutmoviespodcast newsletter. Richard, where can we find you? you can find me online at Richard Barton on all the various platforms. Kent, where can I find you? You can find me on the Twitter at uh, Kent Garrison. Find us online at uh, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Find all of our episodes on there. Every single uh, one we've done the past six years will be on there because only our most recent are on your Spotify, your iTunes, or what have you. So if you want more from us, check out that VIP feed for our AMA, which we'll be recording here shortly, um, where you can ask us anything, and uh, our VIPs obviously get priority on that. So we appreciate them. So see us. Uh, we'll see y'all over there at um, the Talking Glorious Bastards and the AMA. 
in the VIP. And next week, Brian, I think we're talking about uh, Hobbs and Shaw. No, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, yeah. Next week, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Tarantino talk. So, yeah, Inglorious Bastards is uh, prepping for that. And that'll be a good time next week. So see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood this weekend. And we'll see you next week at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Your salad is scrambled eggs. They're calling again.